0: Welcome to GMFC Studios, God's Production Company. well I guess you couldn't hear me so let me just start over God bless everybody we just thank the Lord for each and every one of you that has tuned in this morning uh, those that are here in the studio applause applause amen and again those that have tuned in online amen uh, again we just want to by way of a testimony just um, extend our love and appreciation to each and every one of you uh, for your prayerful support of this ministry. Uh, we just gave a shout out to Elder Jackie Lyseth who's traveling uh, this morning and we thank God for her and we are praying for her and those that are with her that they get to their destination safely and enjoy the time with family and friends which I believe is very vital, but something we don't do as often as we should. Fellowship with like-minded people and with family is important, uh, not just to um, you know, our uh, physical health, but also our spiritual health. We should have the, you know, the opportunity to share the love we have with one another, and we thank Uh, the Lord for her and and those that are with her. And and just know, Jackie, that we are praying for you. And we also gave a shout out to uh, Minister um, Jason Castleman. Uh, He collapsed yesterday and was rushed to the hospital and uh, we were able to to pray for him and uh, I, I mentioned his name, not just because he's a good brother and a good friend of mine, but we mentioned his name so that you who believe would begin to stand in the gap for him, that God would just release a mighty healing in his body and also release understanding and knowledge to the doctors and to the nurses and to those that are intervening medically in his behalf, that they would understand not just what is happening to him um, that caused the uh, incident yesterday, but also uh, what is necessary in fixing it or in um, giving medical remedy uh, to it. And we thank the Lord that uh, he is even now hearing us, And guiding the hands of the doctors and and, and everyone that would be involved. But uh, Jason, if you're listening this morning, just know that we are praying for you, brother. You are not alone uh, in this, and we thank God for you. And uh, we just want you to know this is not the end of you, this is just a bump in the road. It's time for you to take up your bed and walk. We thank the Lord for you and believe in God for you. I just want to talk to you this morning. If you look at uh, society, um, I think it would be hard to argue that um, some of us are not living uh, the same reality. Um, And and when I say reality, uh, I'm talking about our perception of reality. And I want to come to you from the, the topic today, spiritual insight is my reality. And I'm going to take for granted that many of you listening today have heard the phrase perception is reality. But I believe that for the believer, spiritual insight is our reality. I'm going to give you a moment to find it and we're going to put it up on the screen. The 23rd Psalm at the fifth verse. Where it declares, thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Now, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to let that sit there just and, in, 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 um, as they say, marinate in your mind. Um, when we look at society today and everything that people are doing, you'll find that some people are, are struggling with their identity. And... They wake up one day feeling one thing and believing something about themselves and they struggle to now to try to make that their reality. And uh, in society, we've grown, in a sense, smart enough, dumb enough, while at the same time smart enough to help people bring a new reality into existence in their life, even though It's not a real reality, but it is a perception of what they want their reality to be. And this isn't just in what we're seeing with all the uh, transformation from one gender to another gender and the struggles that are involved there with people that are uh, engaging in this type of behavior. But um, there are people that, uh, for a, a much lesser sense, are struggling with the reality of their own uh, existence. And some, uh, they don't win that struggle and it leads to suicide. There are people that are struggling with the reality of their financial situation or at least the expression of their financial situation. So this is where you'll see uh, you know, people that... Um, are living in, you know, substandard conditions, but they drive an automobile that costs more than everything else in their life. And they're trying to express or or put forth an image of financial stability that just isn't there. And oftentimes um, that leads to new problems, repossessions and things of that nature. Again, we are constantly from almost every degree of life, many of us struggling with our reality many of us don't like the reality that we have so we try to create a new reality for ourselves but I love this verse that we read to you matter of fact we're going to put it back up there again just for you to take a look at it thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies thou anointest my head with oil my cup runneth over Psalm the 23rd and the 5th. This is, this is a very powerful truth. That's, there, there is a very powerful truth that's found in the text that you've just read, that I've just read to you. And that truth is that we can prosper even in the middle of our trouble. Amen. So understand something. This text does not deny the real reality that we're in. But it also expresses the ability that while we are in whatever condition it might be, the word of God declares that our Lord prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies, not in the absence of our enemies. You see, too many in the body and outside the body of Christ believe that celebration and feast can only come Once our enemies have been vanquished, but God doesn't see things the way that we do. And he wants our enemies to see that even with everything that we are going through, even with all the trouble that we are enduring, we are still seated at a table that is spread with the blessings and the prosperity and the peace of God right in the presence of our enemies. Now, we've been taught to believe that the absence of trouble or uh, the absence of enemies in our life is when we are actually blessed. But when I read the word of God, I repeatedly see in scripture that trouble itself is not an indicator of the absence of blessings from God. Trouble does not mean I am not blessed. You should actually begin to take an assessment of what is surrounding you. It'll begin to open your heart and mind spiritually to see what is really in your possession. Some of you may be deeply concerned about someone that you love or uh, your health may be out of control or you may be in desperate need of a financial breakthrough. Well, the wonderful news is that the propaganda that the enemy does not want you uh, to realize or the truth that the enemy does not want want you to realize, which is why he bombards you with propaganda, is that even in the middle of the very troubling time that you might be in, God has caused you to be able to sit at his table of provision, his table of healing, his table of supply, while you are standing in the presence of your enemies. You see, you don't have to wait for all the issues to be resolved before you can enjoy your victory. The cessation of trouble is not the only time you can celebrate your victory. Even now, you can sit back and partake of the feast that God has spread for you at the table that he has prepared. To act like everything is fine while facing a crisis truly goes against our human uh, logical thinking. And that's why uh, our God and Father told us that the peace he gives us is not as the world gives. The world can never understand nor can it provide the supernatural victory that is necessary, the peace and the restfulness that is necessary and that only God gives to his people. And I know it seems hard to eat a feast and enjoy a meal while at the same time, everything is chaotic around you. But there is a way to do just that. And we are talking about our reality. I may not be able to dictate which enemy, which trouble, which crisis is going, you know, to rear its head in your life or or at what time these things may come. But what I do or better yet, how I respond mentally will determine the effect that that issue or that crisis or that chaos will have on my day. Anyone that knows me knows that chaos only exists where authority has not been established. Now here in the, in the next scripture that I'm going to read to you is detailed a wonderful truth uh, that deals with your perception or your attitude about things. In this scripture, David is speaking prophetically. And I find that the children of God don't use the prophetic gifting that God has released in their life to speak prophetically. We too often speak pathetically rather than prophetically. But here, David is speaking prophetically about the Holy Ghost when he says this in Psalm 110 and 1. The Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. Did you catch it? As you examine the text for yourself, do you see who the participants in this conversation are? We are actually at the point where we have uh, uh, begun eavesdropping on a divine conversation between the Father and the Son that took place after Jesus conquered sin and death and rose from the dead. But how can this be if we're talking about this in the book of Psalms? Because Psalms comes way before the New Testament, right? Well, we know this because in the book of Ephesians, it says in Ephesians 1, 20 through 23, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body the fullness of him that filleth all in all so Jesus returns to the father and the father says this sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool so what is the attitude that Jesus has at the father's right hand right now well Let's go on a a quick trip, if you will, down history lane. In biblical times, defeated enemies were brought back in chains and the victorious king would sit on his throne and put his feet up on their backs as a sign of victory. Well, in the same way, Jesus' attitude is to sit as his father brings all his defeated enemies under his feet. We, the church, are the body of Christ. So this means that God himself is making our enemies our footstool. <laughs> I hope you caught that. God right now has called you because we are in Christ. We are seated in him. And as God is bringing every enemy before the, the, uh, the Lord of our faith, God is bringing every one of your enemies, every one of your crises, every one of your chaos, every one of your sickness every one of your financial despair everything that you're struggling with God is bringing it so that you can put your feet on it and declare victory over it he's making it your footstool you have to remember some of the things that I teach and, and, and the things that I express John 4 and 17 says this herein is our love made perfect That we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Why? Because as he is, so are we in this world. So we can feast at the table in Christ Because with each passing moment Our defeated enemies of disease Our defeated enemies of poverty Our defeated enemies of depression Our defeated enemy of every curse That's ever been cursed upon you Every trouble that's ever been brought into your life Are being placed underneath your feet Right there is a praise God moment Right here is a time where you should begin to celebrate And call out the glory Glory of the Lord. Right here, if you're driving a car, is where you get out and pull to the side and get out and begin to just do a quick dance for the Lord. Because everything you're facing that's coming against you, God has brought underneath your feet. Amen. You see, Jesus is seated because the work is finished. You gotta, yeah, you, I tell you, the word of God is amazing. When you look at the word of God, you, you typically you, you don't accomplish too much while you're seated. You're right, typically when you're gonna do something, you have to get up and do it. But Jesus is seated, which is an indication that the work that was necessary, that needed to be done to conquer your enemy has already been finished. The real question is, do you know why Jesus can be seated? Well, Hebrews 10 is your answer. Hebrews 10, the 11th through the 13th declares, And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God from henceforth, expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. So in the Old Testament, the the priest had to stand ministering daily because their work was never finished. They were constantly having to go back before God, back before uh, the the process of uh, of sacrificing and, and rendering to God the things necessary to deal with the sins of the nation the sacrifices that they offered uh, could never though take away the sin it was just a covering over the sin but when jesus sat down at the father's right hand because his work is finished through his one sacrifice on the cross at the cross jesus conquered the enemies of sin the enemy of your depression the enemy of your poverty and the premature death that too often comes hallelujah praise god hebrews tells us that after he sat down he is from that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool now the enemies have already been conquered at the cross and since they are now conquered God has been putting them beneath the feet of Jesus but why is this important to us because we are seated in Jesus so whatever is beneath Jesus is beneath us. Amen. <laughs> I, I know you're thinking to yourself that that that's great for Jesus, but my enemies are staring at me in my face. It, it's, it's it's thinking like that that it, you know produces attitudes like that that keep you from the truth. Now, I'm not talking about my truth or somebody else's truth, but I'm talking about the truth. This is so exciting because the Bible tells us that God, Ephesians 2 and 6, hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ. I, I, I'm not making this up. Ephesians 2, check the text. This is what God is trying to get you to see about where you are. In other words, what God is trying to do is give you spiritual insight to your real reality. My reality is not the enemies that are spiritual faced against me that I can see naturally in this place my reality is in my position in Jesus which means even when I'm surrounded I can sit at a table that is spread where the feast of the Lord is going on why because I'm seated in Christ the work is done and because the work is done I'm just sitting waiting for every enemy that's coming to me to be placed under my feet. You see, you think that the enemy is coming to conquer you, but your perception is wrong. Well, the enemy is coming so that it can be placed beneath your feet. Amen. Jesus is doing what? He's sitting waiting for every enemy to be placed under his feet we are in christ we see the enemy coming and we want to get up and go run the other direction and god is saying hold on a second i cannot place beneath you what you keep running from well, well, all right. this is glorious news Your enemies can't stare at you in your face because you are too high for them to even reach your sight line. Your mental ascent takes you above those things because you are in Christ. We are in Christ, seated with him at the right hand of God our Father. And as he is, so we are when? In the life to come? Tomorrow, next week? When I'm dead and, uh, and, and resurrection comes? No. First John, uh, 1 John uh, 4 and 17 tells me, as he is, so am I right now. now. Yes, Lord. So when my enemies come, my perception has to shift. My mental inclination has to change. My mind has to be renewed. And I have to recognize, oh, they're just showing up to be placed beneath my feet. So I can go a little higher. I get a little higher by stepping on the backs of my enemies. Well, all right. The problem is, is we keep stepping on the backs of our brothers and sisters. And God says, I don't want you to stand on them. I want you to stand on what has been conquered for you. That's how I am more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. When you're seated, you are saying, I am not moved by this. I am not moved by you. Jesus is seated while poverty, depression, curses, uh, lack, famine, fear, anxiety, suicide, uh, eating disorders, obsessive compulsive disorders are all real. But they're being placed beneath his feet. And we are in him. So all these enemies are also being placed beneath our feet. We have to understand Who is the church? We are are the church. So we can rest in the presence of our enemy. We can rest in the presence of our trouble. We can stay seated. In other words, I don't even have to get up to deal with you because your presence indicates you're already defeated and just getting in position to raise my feet a little bit higher. You see, I'm in a lazy boy and my, I need to hit the button to make my feet go up a little bit so I can recline and rest just a little bit better. And to do that, God is bringing yet another enemy that thought it could take me out to be underneath my feet. Well, Now listen carefully to what I'm about to say to you. Because this is what I, I really want to illuminate by the power of Holy Ghost. God did not say... You can sit at the table when all your enemies have been destroyed or even every problem in your life has been resolved. That's not what he said. He wants us to sit down and feast first. Well, You ought to put that in the comment section. It's time to feast first. It's feast first season. Now, hear what I'm saying. Because we have been hearing and following the, the, uh, the wrong instruction. Uh-huh. Those symptoms might still be in your body. Those challenges might still be uh, troubling you. Those adversaries might still be screaming in your face. But I want you to hear your heavenly father saying to you, sit at my right hand until I make all these enemies your footstool. In the middle of your symptom, sit at the finished work of Jesus Christ. Remain at his right hand and don't let your heart be troubled. I'll make those physical symptoms in your body your footstool. I'll make your children's behavioral problems and educational challenges your footstool. I'll make your financial debt situation your footstool. I'll cause that negative medical report to become Your footstool I not you will make your enemies Your footstool Your enemies have already been defeated There is no battle for you to fight Your part is just To sit and feast Because the table is spread And the feast of the Lord is going on That just ought to put a leap In your spirit You see whatever you are going through In your life right now You can have the Uh Attitude, or the perception that every enemy that comes against your family is already defeated. Your attitude of frustration and anger is born of a need to fight and battle uh, 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 against your enemy, a fight that you can't even engage in, uh, against an enemy you can't even touch in your own power. You have to keep on fighting in your own strength and think that you're doing something when in fact, you're doing nothing but wearing yourself out. God's uh, position for you, your 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 attitude is saying that I- I'm not going out like that. You think you're 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 giving it the good old college try? Uh, that don't uh, you know equate quite properly in the kingdom. You don't have to fight your enemies. Let me say it again. You don't have to fight your enemies. Let me say it for the people in the cheap seats. You don't have to fight your enemies. The Lord has already won the victory. And one by one, they are becoming his footstool until the last enemy, which is physical death, is also put under uh, beneath his feet. He is simply waiting while God makes them his footstool. And since we are seated in Him, where where are we seated? If we're seated in Christ, where are we seated? In in heavenly places which is far above all principality and power far above all might and dominion far above every name that is named far above everything that's in this age and even that's coming uh, in the next age Ephesians 1 and 21 you ought to read it and understand where it is you're seated Amen. amen a land flowing with abundance is your portion this is the promise of God God does things a lot differently than we do. Now, the the common phrase in our culture and our society is not to count your chickens before they hatch. But with God, the saying is celebrate for the hatchlings because they are coming forth. See, we say don't celebrate. Until they hatch God says celebrate Because they're coming forth You see God's way is for us to feast To celebrate to have confidence In his ability Before he brings forth the result Anybody can praise God After the victory is won What God wants to know is Do you have confidence in him To praise him Right in the face of your enemy when trouble comes and, and you get that bad doctor's report, will you wallow in fear and start crying and, "Oh my Lord, let me get my affairs in order. The doctor said death is but a few days away." Or will you get out of the hospital bed and just give God a shout of praise and glory and begin to celebrate him because you say that, "God, I believe that you have the power to deliver me." And yet forth, even if you don't I still believe you could but i just need to be spiritually in your place i'm trusting him to bring forth the results we on the other hand want to see results before uh, we will ever allow ourselves to even believe the results we're looking for are possible we call this wisdom or we, we, we say we're just being 100 or we're just being real. Trust me, I know firsthand that it is a real struggle to celebrate a victory when a loss appears more plausible because it is so contrary to our human nature. We always want to do something about the challenges we face and it ain't a celebration. I'm not trying to celebrate when my body is afflicted. But this is why the Bible tells us that the only real work or labor to do is to enter his rest. So if you're looking for something to do, this is what you ought to do. You ought to do what the Bible tells you to do in Hebrews 4 and 11. It tells you to enter his rest. This is what it says. Let us, therefore, uh, let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest. Lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. While yet believing God, you can enter his rest. So, what is Hebrews talking about? Well, the children of Israel struggled in the face of adversity and uh, overwhelming forces to believe the very promises of God because they could only see the obstacles that were, uh, you know, standing right in their face. Now, now we don't want to uh, repeat their mistake. Oftentimes, Uh, you know we go through things uh, and some of the things we go through is very public and it's public so that other people don't have to go through what you have gone through God allows you to be victorious in it but yet use it to prevent other people from walking into that same hole and I want you to just get this vision in your mind if you're walking down the street and as you're walking the person in front of you falls into a hole Are you just going to continue walking in the same path or are you going to try to walk around it? Well, unfortunately, too many of us see the person fall into the hole and we walk right behind them and fall into the same hole and have to deal with the same stuff. We don't want to repeat their mistakes. We want to learn from their story so that we can celebrate our story a whole lot sooner now God delivers Israel out of slavery in Egypt and told them that they would uh, that he would bring them to a land flowing with milk and honey uh, exodus 3 and 8 Now, it was a sure promise. It wasn't like a, you know, I might get you there. You know, this is a maybe. I'm still trying to figure it out. I'm trying to work some deals out with the people in the land. But, you know, by the time you get there, it should be all straight. No, he said, I'm bringing you out to take you into a land that's flowing with milk and honey. It's a sure promise, a statement of what God was definitely doing. Now, it would have been good enough if God promised them a land with milk and honey. But the land didn't only have milk and honey. It was also flowing with milk and honey. So the blessings that the Lord has coming for you are overflowing and they bring, and you've heard me say this, no sorrow with them. Amen. Now, in my studies, I've noticed something very interesting about the fruits of the land that you need to really grab a hold of. Now, the fruits in Egypt, not sure I would necessarily call them all fruits, but according to Numbers 11 and 5, we remember the fish, which we did eat in Egypt freely, the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic, all of which grew on the ground. But the fruits in the promised land, according to uh, Numbers 13 and 23 says, and they came unto the uh, brook of Eshel and cut down from thence a branch with one cluster of grapes and they bear it between two upon a staff and they brought of the pomegranates and of the figs all of these hang from vines and trees harvesting fruits from Egypt was backbreaking work but in the promised land you need just needed to reach out and pluck them do you see the difference you see in the promised land they hung above All you had to do was grab it. But in Egypt, you had to work for it. You had to plow or, or get them up. So I want you to picture how the promises of God are so easy and simple to be a partaker of. God has also told the Israelites that the land would have large and beautiful cities that they would not have to build, houses that would be full of good things that they did not have to fill, hewn wells that they didn't have to dig, vineyards and olive trees that they did not have to plant. If you don't believe me, Deuteronomy six, ten through 11. And it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he sware unto thy father, to uh, Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities which thou buildest not, and houses full of all good things which thou fillest not, and wells digged which thou diggest not, vineyards and olive trees which thou plantest not, when thou shalt have eaten and be full. Now, all of this is a picture of what God wants for them to step into a finished work. You got the picture this. sometimes we are looking for something to build when God says, I've already built it. I'm just waiting for somebody who wants to be placed in it. You see, God is bigger than the giants you face. Well, amen. amen. Now, sadly, something happened when the Israelites were at Kadesh Barnum, just at, at the brink of the promised land. They, in their wisdom, decide to send 12 spies to evaluate the land. And while they saw that the land was indeed flowing with milk and honey, they also saw that the cities were fortified and very large and that the inhabitants of the land were giants. Now, you can read about that in Numbers 13, 27 through 29, a little homework for you. Now, two of the spies, Joshua and Caleb, were uh, ready to take possession of the promised land. Why? Because it's what God promised. That's right. So they tell the people that the Lord will bring them into the land and give the land to them. They saw the giants and told the Israelites not to fear them, for they are bred, numbers 14 and 9. They urged the people not to fear the giants as they believed the Lord their God was with them. They declared, let us go up at once and take possession, for uh, we are well able to overcome it, numbers 13 and 30. So Joshua and Caleb had a different spirit. They had a different perspective. They had a different reality. They had a spirit of confidence in everything that God had said and they were seated in God's promise that he had given them the land already. That it already belonged to them. The cities in fact the people that built those cities thought they were building them for themselves when in actuality those people were just the workforce to build the city that was necessary for the people of God. So even in in the presence of their enemies and their adversities they were able to keep the right outlook Uh but why they were able to keep the right outlook because their faith was not established on the giants that they saw but on the promises of god but here's the problem the remaining 10 spies gave a bad report because they focused on the formidable walls and the giants that were in the land. Numbers 13, 31 through 33. But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the son of Anak, which come of the giant, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. So instead of putting their trust in God, who had already promised them the land, understanding that God will not promise something he cannot do. The children of Israel chose to believe the report of the 10 spies who said that the Israelites could not take the land because it was inhabited by giants from the tribe of Anak. Now, the Hebrew word uh, Anak means a collar or a neck chain. So a chain around the neck is what we refer to as a yoke. And that yoke's purpose is to weigh you down. So although God had delivered the children of Israel Israel from their taskmaster in Egypt and they were no longer slaves. The problem is they maintained a slave mentality and a slave attitude. Instead of focusing on God's goodness and promise, they focused on their giant problem, the Anakim, and were weighed down with anxiety and fear. And as a result, the whole generation apart from Joshua and Caleb would not ever enter the land of promise, Numbers 14, 29 through 31. And they would wander in the wilderness for 40 years long years simply because they would not believe God simply because they did not recognize that what was before them was beneath the God that was before them Hebrews 3 describes how the children of Israel were not allowed to enter the promised land because they doubted God's word however instead of saying they shall not enter my promised land this is how God puts it Hebrews 3 and 11. They shall not enter my rest. Understand, God describes for them the promise. He describes for them the things that have been built for them. He describes for them and then allows them to see the tremendous blessing that's prepared for them. Something that they would not have to work to accomplish, but just lay down in. And when they refuse to believe him, he responds by saying, they shall not enter my rest. In other words, they shall not enter the work that I have done. So God calls the promised land, my rest. And this means that what the physical land was to the children of Israel in the Old Testament, God's grace and rest are to the believer under the new covenant. Our promised land today is God's rest. God did not deliver the children of Israel out of Egypt to leave them wandering in the wilderness. He brought them out to bring them in. In the same way, God wants to bring you out of lack and into the land of promise and into the promise of abundance. He wants to bring you out of sickness and into a, a robust health. He, 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 he wants you to enjoy the rest that the promised land brings to you. But we have to first be rest conscious, not giant conscious. Let me say that again for you. We have to see rest and not see giants. We have to have a mentality a consciousness of rest, not a consciousness of tribulation. Unfortunately, some of us still have that slave mentality. We're so focused on our own personal anachem, our problem, our symptom, instead of the very one that we are seated in, which is Jesus and the finished work of Christ on the cross. We're so focused on our enemy rather than our salvation that we prevent ourselves from entering into the promised land of rest. Now, if what I just said sounds like someone you know, God doesn't want you to fear the giant that you are faced with. God's word always tells us, look at Isaiah 41 and 10. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Or if you look at Luke, the 12th chapter and the 32nd, You'll find that it says fear not little flock for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. But do you know that there is one thing the Bible tells us to fear? Hebrews 4 and 1. Let us therefore fear lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest. Any of you should seem to come short of it. So if you're looking for something to be afraid of, God tells us to fear that we fail to enter his rest. So don't focus on your giant and be stressed out. Place your confidence, not in what you see, but in what God has promised in his word to do that you need to know what his word says. The question then becomes will you be like Joshua and Caleb or will you be like the other ten spies? In other words will you give more weight or credence to your problem or will you give more weight and credence to your God? Before your body is healed, before your debt is cleared, before the problem in your life is resolved, will you believe that God is still a deliverer according to his word and be seated at the table to feast right in the right in front of these things that you're facing You see, God wants you to have revelation that whatever you need him to do for you has already been done because Jesus has accomplished everything for you. In spite of the giants that you see, you can choose to go up and enter the promised land. When your confidence is in Christ and his finished work, you will be feast conscious and not giant conscious. Sing, O barren, says the word. Let me just close and sum it up with this. There is a beautiful passage of Scripture in Isaiah 54 that, I, that I'm just going to read to you. And I encourage you to go home and study it, to read it again and read it again and read it again. Isaiah 54. If you don't know where that's at, it comes after Isaiah 53. Now, Isaiah 53, which is a messianic chapter, that talks about our Lord Jesus' suffering on the cross for us, do you know how we can partake of all of that? Of everything that Jesus has done? Well, here comes 54. It opens up like this. Sing, O barren. Thou that didst not bear... Break forth into singing and cry aloud, thou that didst not travail with child. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married wife, saith the Lord. Enlarge the place of thy tent and let them stretch forth the curtains of thine habitations spare not lengthen thy cords and strengthen thy stakes for thou shalt break forth on the right hand and on the left and thy seed shall inherit the gentiles and make the desolate cities to be inhabited Amen. now you might be in the same place as the barren woman today perhaps you are barren of a physical baby or perhaps you are barren of finances or perhaps you are barren of mental stability or perhaps you're barren in your physical health. But this is what God says to you. He says, sing in your barrenness that you who have not born break forth into singing and cry aloud. You might not have borne any fruit yet. But because of what Jesus has done You can sing out loud And proclaim his praises Don't wait until you see The manifestation of his promise Stop postponing Your praise and your joy Stop telling yourself That you will feast or celebrate Only when you have paid off The mortgage on your house Stop waiting until you find a spouse before you rejoice. Sing now. As you sing, you can start preparing for growth. You can start lengthening the cords of the place of work and strengthening the stakes of your bank account because you shall expand to the right and to the left. Amen. Even in the midst of your adversity, you can sing, you can dance, you can rejoice. Your shepherd has prepared a table before you in the presence of your enemies. Even when the enemies are still around, you can feed by the green pastures and rest by the still waters because your shepherd watches over you. The Lord loves you so much. He wants to bring you into a land where you will dwell in cities that you did not build and eat from vineyards and olive trees that you didn't did not plan. it's all based on the work of Jesus Christ your part your place is just to believe and take a seat at the table while he makes every one of your enemies your footstool Amen. if you're looking for something to do sit down and enjoy the rest of the Lord Amen. celebrate while your enemies are being brought before you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sometimes when you're in a place, you get comfortable. You think that that place, because it's okay, is your place of rest. When in actuality, the place you're in is just a holding spot. It's just holding you while what God has for you is being prepared. I say this to every member of GMFC. Sometimes I believe we became too comfortable in a place that was just a holdover that we try to make it our destination. Well, and God said, this is just where I'm putting you now while I've caused something else for you to be built. So we have to understand and see how God is working and how God is moving according to his word. We stand upon that word. We know that what he births, he does not birth to destroy but he births to prosper. Amen. I know some are frustrated about our current situation. God gave us the venue to still be able to speak into your life, to still be reachable and to still pastor you in opportunities where we can gather together in fellowship even when it's in other places or other churches. Because what God has for us He does not intend for us to build Where we were We built it We took what was not built For a house of God And Turned it by the craftiness of our own hands Into a place of worship But it was not our home Hear what I'm saying For this is what I hear from God What I have for you Is a place that I have built By my hand To prosper you That will encapsulate Everything that I've given you A pulpit to preach from You didn't build A pew to sit on You didn't build a place you didn't build but that was built for me that you would declare in the face of your enemy that even when it looked like you were wiped out I praise God because he did not kill me when I deserved to die but he put me in a holding pattern while he was preparing the place for our rest You think about airplanes when they come into the airport, when they get there a little bit too early and the runway's not clear. The air traffic controller has to put that plane in a holding pattern, which means while they're comfortable in the plane, the plane is just circling where it needs to be. But they don't intend to stay in that circling, that holding pattern. Eventually, they need to land. God says, I've had you in a holding pattern. But it's time to lock back your seats in an upright position. It's time to put your tray table away because you are on an approach for your landing and all you need to do is rest in what I have built for you Hallelujah for everyone out there that's listening what I've just said was specific and pointed at the members of GMFC but hear me God is no respecter of persons And even as He will bless us, so He will bless you. God and God alone. So that when we pull up in front of what's been built for us, we'll be able to walk in singing the praises of God because we did not stop singing. We did not stop praising. We did not stop gathering. We did not stop preaching. We did not stop allowing God to use us. We did not stop believing while we were in a state of barrenness or a place of holding because we knew what the promise of God was. Amen. Amen. And we are, I hear the voice of the Lord saying, We are an approach. And you know that when you are on approach, it's but moments before you touch down. Hallelujah. So I celebrate God for what's yet before us. I celebrate God for what is yet before each and every one of you. For everything that you're facing has just been brought to be placed beneath your feet. God bless you. Enjoy the rest of the Lord. Enjoy the fellowship of the promise of God in your life because God will never fail you. You know, I think about the Garden of Eden. I'm I'm trying to bring this in. I think about the Garden of Eden. And in the Garden of Eden, it had to have been normal for God to come And meet with Adam and Eve It had to be something that was done Consistently You see Adam and Eve Had an appointment With God And God would show up for that appointment And Adam and Eve would show up For that appointment But there was a time When Adam and Eve Tried to miss the appointment Because They had fallen in sin And even though God was disappointed He did not deny the appointment He still showed up For the appointment to be with Adam and Eve in the garden Even though Adam and Eve At that moment were a disappointment to him Because they had disobeyed God didn't turn his back on them God didn't cast them out God didn't forget about it and say I'm not showing up for you anymore even in the middle of their despair God still kept his appointment with them God wants to keep his appointment with you I hear the Lord saying I don't know who this is to but I hear the Lord say, stop hiding stop hiding from me I am here for my divine appointment with you. Stop hiding and running for I've already seen and known what you're enduring and I still choose to love you. I still choose to embrace you. Come to me and receive my rest. This is what God has for you today. God bless you. May the peace of the Lord keep you. And you enjoy his amazing rest. This has been a production of the GMFC Studios. God bless you.